On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're joined by Michael Martin from Sellout Crowd to discuss the first 10 games for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Can Josh Giddy bounce back like he did against the Spurs? Or are the expectations for Chet Holmgren adjusted at all after these first 10 games and what to expect the rest of the way in Oklahoma City? You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles. follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. Today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself with the purchase of a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics to treat up to 50-plus infections. Get yours today at Jace Medical, that's J-A-S-E medical.com. We're joined today by Michael Martin of Sellout Crowd to discuss the first 10 games for OKC, what the expectations are for this team. Have they changed at all, having seen them on the floor? Because Zach Lowe has changed his opinion of OKC after 10 games. Josh Giddy looking to sustain his bounce-back game versus the Spurs, and Chet Holmgren seemingly is as good as advertised. We'll talk with Michael Martin about all of that. Michael, how are you doing today? Doing all right. Happy to be back on Locked on Thunder. Always enjoy talking uh, hoops with you, Rylan. Always good to have you here. Let's dive in and let's just start with your overarching thoughts of the Thunder because 10 games in, that's kind of the the the, the marker that you know NBA teams even use to split up the season of each 10 games and kind of evaluate things. We're 10 games in, and I think that the national perspective of OKC uh, is a lot different than kind of the vibes around that some of the fan bases. There's a big portion of the fan base who's very, very concerned with the Thunder 10 games in, whereas like Zach Lowe and everyone else who's looking at this from like a thousand feet foot view, they're saying that, that they were too low on the Thunder and they, they should have been even higher on the Thunder uh, in the preseason. What are your just overall takeaways from these first 10 games? Yeah, you can go in different directions. Um, just being too close to it, like you mentioned, you can kind of get caught in the details and miss the forest for the trees and i would say the biggest takeaway i have right now is that chet holmgren is a dude like he's the second best player on this team already and i don't think that's a very hot take to say just his impact on both ends and seeing his fit next to chet it's um one of the more seamless fits you're going to see in the league just in terms of a guard and a big so Watching those guys early on has been very, very impressive. I get the rebounding concerns, but more than anything, you just want to know that your number two overall pick from a couple of years ago can really play. And from what I've seen in these early returns, Sam Presti has nailed that pick. It certainly looks like Sam Presti has nailed a lot of these picks uh, for, for multiple reasons. Now, let's stick with Chet Holmgren. You know, he was injured all of last year. And I, I think that it's, it's easy to forget because a lot happened in that year. The Thunder were able to have a surprise 41 season, go to the play in SG was able to, you know, jump into superstardom and average 30 points per game and be first team all NBA. But at the day of the draft, whenever the Thunder drafted Chet Holmgren, he was viewed as a guy who was franchise altering franchise changing. And uh, there were still questions of could Shea be a number one. That was a question 
that was being asked even locally and nationally about SGA. So a lot's changed since then, but whenever he was drafted, those were the expectations of him is to be this franchise-changing player. And then you get a year removed and you see how J-Dub jumped up and you see how SGA jumped up and you see how this team was able to uh, put it together without him on the floor. Uh, it, it seems as though he kind of had that pressure taken off of him because you can just kind of fit into an already uh, now gelling team. And so that's helped him a lot personally, I think. But for you, evaluating Chet Holmgren pre his draft, pre-injury, and now does he look close to how you had him looking coming out of college or does he look like a totally different player in either direction? There are similarities for sure. I mean, obviously he didn't just flip his game entirely where he became a different player, but I mean, going to that draft, I was very up and down with a lot of guys. Um, and then I finally got to the end and I had Chet and Paolo number one and number two Paolo. I ended up having one just because of the extra playmaking. And it's just sort of my DNA as like watching basketball as I very much value that, but Chet for sure had the highest ceiling. And what I would say the similarities are, is just his toughness on the defensive end. But I'm the I'm surprised with is just how fast it's like gone into action. I thought that we would see Rylan like even coming off a year of injury with him getting to watch tape and like be around the team, that there would be like an adjustment phase, but he's hit the ground running in a lot of ways. I don't think some of the shooting is sustainable, but he's not going to be a bad shooter. I think he's going to be an above league average shooter. And just seeing him sort of adapt this quickly has really stood out to me. Yeah, I think that he's obviously like a quick study to me of like even even like game to game. And in these 10 games, you've seen him get better at certain aspects of 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 his job and, and of what he's doing. I think he's also just a really great uh, mentality for himself on the court that the Thunder don't have a ton of guys like that who have that kind of a competitive edge that he has. But also off the court, he's really good at just staying away from certain topics, like letting his personality show in other ways versus just like jumping into these questions like about Victor, about rivalries, about anything like that. He stays away from those aspects, but then shows his personality and shows kind of who he is whenever he calls Josh Skitty Vanilla Magic. So the off-the-court stuff is pretty interesting because you don't really get to know these guys a ton in that aspect whenever they're in college uh, that you do in the NBA. So it's not as though he's dry, but he's dry at the right times, and then he's able to to kind of be uh, kind of more loose in other aspects. But then on the court, uh, I, I think that – his three-point shooting has been obviously a stellar addition. I think that his playmaking has improved since summer league, and I think that partly that is because that the spacing has improved. Like summer league plays a lot closer to college basketball because of the uh, athletes that are there versus NBA basketball. I think that his handle and his and his ability to run the floor ha- has been improved in the NBA versus what it was in college and summer league. Uh, but ultimately, he's been as good as advertised and. Looking at these next 10 games and, and, and this entire season, what would you say? Because the Thunder do this, we can have a like a back-to-back coming up. What is there any uh interesting aspect to you of of how they manage him for the length of an 82 game season? Like, do you do you rest him against Portland because it's a back-to-back? Uh, they've played a ton of games already. Like, like Houston has had four straight off days this week. The Thunder have only had one stretch of consecutive off days, and it was last weekend. So you play Portland, you know, you, you play a team where obviously they're, they're the worst team in the NBA, one of the worst teams in the NBA. Do, do you look at managing him in those aspects or do you just kind of let him play for as long as you can? I think the Thunder are going to be strategic about it. I think you've already seen with certain minutes and certain games and certain matchups, they're not going to throw him to the Wolves. But something interesting that Chet mentioned um, earlier after he had his foot injury is this is the first time I've ever been injured. 
And you would think a guy with that frame would be sort of like injury prone. You just look at him and just assume it's like, well, he probably gets banged up, but that's really not how he's wired and just kind of built. So I would trust the thunder because they have so much invested in this guy to kind of let it play out. And if they need to pull the leash on him a little bit, but I don't see unless there is like an actual sustained injury, whether it be like an ankle or anything like that, knock on wood, I don't think that they're just going to rest him for the sake of resting him. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point. I would, I would imagine it's kind of the same way where it's like the game flow will dictate if he needs to rest, but it's not like a pre-planned thing. It's in like today on Wednesday, on Thursday, you don't know what you're going to do on Sunday yet. I think that they're going to let it come to them and let it come to, uh, you know, boil down to what's going on on the court. And that's a great point that that he had never been injured before until that that injury, which was a really fluky injury. And so these ten games, I think, have have shown me, and, and I'll include the preseason in this too, that Chet Holmgren is not like just going to evaporate in midair like people were like afraid of in his in his evaluations. He's going to be fine. Like he he's not just going to break. His injury at that pro event was a fluke, and at the end of the day, guys either get hurt or they don't, and, and there's no injury that happens because you're 90 pounds. There's no injury that happens because you're just this real thin guy. The injuries come and go to all people of all shapes, all sizes, but they don't inherently happen to him because he's skinny if they do happen. So uh, the injury-prone stuff, I, I think, has been uh, kind of – hushed down a bit more, which is right. That, that should not be uh, coming up a ton because he's shown that he can handle uh, some bumps uh, in the post. And I just think that we're not doctors, so we never know why guys get hurt or guys don't. Like, why does Zion get hurt all the time? Why does you know other guys not get hurt all the time? Kawhi gets hurt all the time. All these guys of all these different body types get hurt, and some don't, and some are Ironmen, and some just get hurt. And there's no real rhyme or reason to it. It's just how it works. Now, coming up, we're going to talk Josh Giddy because Josh Giddy had a really good game against San Antonio, but he's off to a cold start like he was last year. What's going to be the outlook for Josh Giddy this season? We'll talk about that coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now, but good friends over at FanDuel. Folks, FanDuel is great, and you're going to want to go there right now because at FanDuel.com slash locked on, you're going to get $150 in bonus bets when you win any $5 money line bet. That's $150 in bonus bets whenever you win a money line bet of $5 as, as a new customer at fanduelcom slash locked on. The money line bet is just who you think will win. So that's all you got to do is project who will win the game. You can also do spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And why I say this is a great time to use FanDuel is because we're in the thick of everything. If you like football, where it's college, it's NFL football, it's NHL, it's college basketball, NBA basketball, and the money line bet, you can kind of work this, especially in the college sports this weekend. Alabama and another LSU and other teams play some really, really bad non-conference games. Alabama plays Chattanooga. You can you can go throw some money on the money line and go win your bet right there. That's easy, easy money to get your uh, to get your bonus. But also, the Thunder are going to San Francisco tonight, and they are the favorites. They're favorite on the road. At two and a half, because the Warriors are going to miss Steph Curry and Draymond Green, who just got suspended. So the, the Thunder are going to be able to go there and try to secure a road win. No Steph, no Draymond. That might be your money line play to get you this bonus bet. Go check it out today at finner.com slash locked on. 
We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball, talking about sellout crowds, Michael Martin. Michael, Josh Giddy has been a polarizing topic in the Thunder universe. He started out slow again this year. What do you see from Josh Giddy this year that's different than last year? And what do you see that could could show you that he's going to break out of this cold streak? I mean, I mentioned this on another show with sellout, but a cold streak of 10 games doesn't matter if it's in the beginning of the season, the middle, the end. It's just a cold streak. That's just what happens. But because everyone just, you know, we all want to believe every single guy gets better over the summer. And I bet Josh did get better. But him having a cold streak to start the season puts everybody on edge of like, oh, no, what's going on? Um, I haven't seen like a ton different from him other than just adding Chet as another piece. Josh is a complimentary player. So he's just like, how can I fit in? And I think that he's struggling to find exactly that niche for himself. And I thought it was really interesting the other night after the gaming in San Antonio, Ryland, when we were talking to Josh and he mentioned that some of his like shortcomings earlier in the season came because he was hell bent on scoring and other things like that. For whatever reason, he like couldn't even give us a good reason for it. He didn't know why, but I'm not super, super worried about Josh. I think some of the shooting will come around, but what I would like to see from him is just contributing in other ways, like the rebounding problem that the Thunder have uh, had that has been very much discussed and uh, talked about. I'd like to see him contribute in other ways like that because you can shoot poorly and still play well. You can't let your shooting for a guy like Josh, who's not a scorer, um first be the reason that you're just like feeling down about your play yeah I, I totally agree with you i think that that's been my biggest point of emphasis too with josh is that like we saw him play really well in fiba and i don't think that he just magically forgot how to play i, I think what happened is he had a bad stretch of basketball which if it happened if he started out these first 10 games really excellent and then he had a bad 10 game stretch at christmas time no one would even notice hardly mm-hmm. so like it, it or at least it wouldn't have been as big of a deal as it was made out to be on social media to where I, I think Josh can play basketball a lot. I think that he, uh, you know, let us into that mindset as you're talking about of, it felt like watching him that he let the frustration mount over time of this 10 game stretch. And he was trying to prove like he could score versus just taking what the defense gives him and playing to his identity. And I think that, that conversation with Mark is going to, is going to uh, go and have a fruitful effect on these next 10 games and of the rest of the season. Because in this game, it wasn't just that the shots fell, right? Sometimes that's just like the the honest answer, but we try to dress it up nicer than that. It, it was not just that the shots fell. It was the assists and the way he was passing the basketball. They were, they were back to these creative passes, even passes that didn't end up in assists because you know, Jalen fumbled on the way at the rim. SGA just didn't shoot an open catch and shoot three. Like because you know these guys didn't shoot, they didn't go into assists, but still it was creative and and ways to get the ball to open guys and throw guys open. That was back for the first time uh you know in, in this season. And he talked about that being a point of emphasis for him to get back to doing that because that's whenever he's playing his best basketball. And I think that that unlocks things for Josh Giddy as well. I think overall he's drove the ball harder this season and it's and it's looked uh messy at times, but it's gonna be uh better in the long run it's just that this is a a bad 10 game stretch and now with that spurs game on you're looking to make it a good 10 game stretch and and build on that Uh, and it'll be interesting because against golden state now like they have no dream on green for either game they have um no steph curry for at least thursday his reevaluation date is is after that game 
I don't think he'll play Saturday, but I guess it's still on the table for him to play Saturday. But still, uh, it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out. But that's where we're at on Josh Giddy. I, I, I don't really see the need to panic, especially to the extent that like some people were. The Thunder, I think, are going to give this entire team 82 games to just just play, collect data on it, collect data on lineups and 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 guys and players, and then in the off season, then you can start to recollect and you can start to recalibrate. But I, I think that this 82 game season will be spent with uh, the majority of this roster. Like, like I don't think that any big shakeup is going to happen. I think the most you could see is maybe you Darius Baisley Poku. Like that's the, what I think could happen at the deadline. Not like some massive splash where are you at on that i'm with you i mean the early returns are because we saw last year mark was just all over the place with his rotations this year we've seen like an actual pattern in terms of the main four to five guys all playing a lot of minutes together and that is a signal to me of like they're trying to see if this can work and they're going to take the entire year to do it and there's no reason to move on from josh now i mean think about his age and then think about the thompson twins who were just drafted it's like a few months apart and for Josh, like it's not like something like Killian Hayes who hasn't showed any flashes of anything. Like he's had flashes of really good play where he sh- he should have been first team all rookie his rookie year. But I-, I just wouldn't be panicking over Josh. I think that there's a lot of stuff that still can happen, and I'm guilty of this. I'll admit it. Uh, like a lot of fans have um, been as well of seeing these other guys play so well that you wonder then why is the other guy is not playing well rather than just focusing on Jada, Kaysen, Shea, Chet, and others who are playing well. So when you're looking at this Thunder team and the Western Conference, because you and I are both basketball sickos, uh, whenever you're looking at this Western Conference as a whole, kind of back to the original topic at hand of the Thunder after 10 games, do you feel any differently than you felt on the preview show where we, we were going to put you in a clown costume, but we're going to ignore that for now. But do you, uh, do you feel any differently about what this team can do finishing standings wise based on how you've seen other teams play around them and how you've seen the Thunder play? Well, I'm, I'm optimistic, but at the same time, I'm cautious because of we just talked about a 10 game sample size for Josh for this long so there are certain teams that are going to have injuries that have had some weird things going back and forth. But there there have been some teams that have dramatically fallen sort of out of the picture just immediately, like Memphis and the Clippers, for now at least, that just look like they're not really going to be a big competition. I would still say I, I have them around the same range, but I'm optimistic about like their high end. Or I'm not, uh, let me rephrase that. It's not about their high end. It's like their average level of play I'm more excited about. I think that they can play at like a certain standard level, like a baseline. And I'm more confident in that than them being some up and down team like I felt a little bit earlier in the, the offseason. And seeing this baseline so far, would you say top 10 is a lock yet? Or would you need another 10 or so game sample size? I'd be very surprised if they were not at least in the play-in. I, Just, I would agree with that. I think that I think that postseason basketball is again a lock. now. Can they get to the top six? I think that they can. I thought that they could uh, preseason as well, but I, I would be I'd be stunned if they're one of the teams who's not in the top ten because, as we mentioned, you and I were on the on the preview show doing this very conversation. Let's say you get to the end of the season and this ten games wasn't sustained, but they're fighting for the tenth seed. Mm-hmm. If if the Thunder are one of the teams fighting for the tenth seed. They have zero incentive to not go and get it. Whereas like last year, you, you see it naturally unfold. Last year, the Mavericks just bowed out of the race because they had an incentive to go get a draft pick. The, the Thunder, 
don't have that incentive. They have draft picks coming in from so many different places that uh, that, that it, it's more beneficial to them to get into the playing tournament than to improve their draft stats by just a little bit uh, whenever you consider all of the ways that they have picks coming to them. So that's why I just I don't see any team knocking the Thunder out of 10 spots. Like uh, they might not reach their their top six potential that I think that they have, but they're going to be in the top 10 and in the play-in again, which uh, we'll see how it all unfolds. Right now, based on what we've seen, I think that they'll be top six even more confident than I did in the preseason. But like you mentioned, it's a 10-game sample size, and, uh, you know, and there's a lot that can change. However, I will say, like for Memphis especially, I'm curious to see what happens with them because they still got a long ways to go without John Morant. Then you got to get John Morant back in the action. Then you got to get him ramped up. Then you got to get him kind of adjusted to this new group of guys uh, that they're playing with, uh, you know, with Marcus Smart and them. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how quickly after he gets back that they can turn it on because they've got to make up ground and make up ground pretty quick in a Western Conference that I think will be decided by only a couple of games. Yeah, Steven Adams out for the season also. Brandon Clark coming back from an injury. I just think this is sort of their year from hell that you kind of have to just throw in the trash and just say, we'll get ready for next year. It's unfortunate that you traded two first-round picks for Marcus Smart going into this year, and it's kind of a year wasted. But uh, with the Grizzlies and their young core, they still have a lot of young guys other than, I guess, Smart and Adams. So I wouldn't feel like, oh, well, this is just, you know, this is the last hurrah. But yeah, the, the West is always shaking up. Um, seeing these teams, I think the biggest surprise so far for me has been uh, Minnesota and just how they've shored up what looked like a dumpster fire after that Rudy Gobert trade. But the West is an animal in its own right, and I'm with you. I don't think the Thunder fall out of the top 10 unless there's some like catastrophic bad injury to Shea, which, knock on wood, hopefully doesn't happen. But if the Thunder just have an average NBA season's level of health, I have no doubt they'll be in the top 10. Coming up, let's talk about those Clippers that you mentioned and wrap up these uh, last 10 games and preview the next 10 games for OKC. But first, I want to say right now, but good friends over at Jace Medical. Jace Medical uh, is there for you to empower you and, and, and allow you to have peace of mind because what Jace Medical does is they send you the Jace case, which has, uh, you know, these five life-saving antibiotics that can fight off 50 plus infections. And so, uh, you know, just in case that anything happens or, or happens in the middle of the night or whatever, you're, you don't want to be caught unprepared. You want to have the resources that you need uh, to be able to protect and care for yourself and, and your family. Uh, Jace Medical handles everything for you from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacists, uh, medication delivery, and ongoing consult and care for you and your family. So you can give them a try at jacemedical.com. That's jacmedical.com. Uh, use the code uh, LOCKED and you can go and get locked on and get a promo code uh, for $20 off of your first purchase. That's code LOCKED ON for $20 off your first purchase at Chase Medical. Uh, and go check them out today because you can get receive a 12-year supply, 12-month supply of your daily medications that you need. So go check them out today at LOCKED ON checkout code for chasemedical.com. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for joining us on today's show. We're joined by Michael Martin of Sellout Crowd. Michael, let's talk Clippers real quick, just because it's fun to talk Clippers. The big trade happened with the Thunder way back when. The Clippers since then have, have stumbled a bit. Now they add James Harden to the mix, and it's gotten really bad. Uh, they can't be this bad for the rest of the season, can they? Um. I mean, I, I tweeted this very sarcastically after they went on like a three-game losing streak. I was like, 
you know, if I'm a Clippers fan, I wouldn't be too worried because if I know one thing about James Harden, his teams are resilient. They don't give up just instantly. But I I, ha- I don't have a lot of faith in the Clippers. I mean, we talked about this before. I kind of zagged and I was like, I kind of hope the Clippers are good this year only so they sign all those guys to a longer extension and maybe you get some of those other picks down the line. But I don't have a lot of faith in the Clippers being able to turn this around. They're not going to be the dumpster fire that they are right now where they're just like bottom of the West. But, you know, play in team seven, eight, I think is probably around where they are just given their roster and their health. And if things continue to go poorly, they have no other pivot move. They don't have any other great assets to really move. I mean, Terrence Mann has been the guy that they have just refused to even like think about, but I don't really know what he's fetching you. And the Clippers just have a lot of issues where there's only one ball, which is kind of like lazy analysis, but you've got a bunch of superstars and past superstars with no role player qualities who are all kind of looking at each other. Like you should be boxing out. You should be defending. So I, I'm not very confident in the Clippers, but how are you feeling? Yeah, I I just I have a hard time believing that they're going to be. You know, they're three and seven right now. They're one of the worst teams in the West. I, I have a hard time believing that that's what they're going to be. I think what Thunder fans should hope for realistically is that they're a play-in team. Is be, because number one, you get to the end of the season, and if they're like in the play-in hunt and they have no hope of of getting out of the play-in, while the Mavericks had reasons to to tank draft positioning wise last year in that scenario. These these Clippers have shown you they don't really care about playing basketball all that much. And so, like, if their only hope is to play for a play-in seed, I'm not sure how enthralled they'll be to play in those games even, which makes life harder to make the play-in. But we've also seen, and the Thunder have benefited from this, them make the play-in tournament and then immediately lose. And that's how you got Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara on this roster. So I, I think that the realistic aspect of it is for them to be a play-in team. And then you face off with the a scrappier team that gets in there, a team that, that quote-unquote wants it more that gets in there, and then all of a sudden you're able to uh, go out there and see them knock out of the play-in tournament, uh, not make the not make the playoff uh, bracket, and it increases your draft pick. And af- after they do that, if they're able to, to – all that comes true, then you're looking and sitting pretty with draft picks this year in OKC between them and, and what we're going to make of Houston. Now, one more question that's not Thunder. What do you make of Houston right now on this 10-game run? Uh, what is the, what is going on in Houston? I am shocked. Uh, let's just go ahead and mail the Coach of the Year trophy to Ime Udoka for what he's been able to do in terms of just take away the AAU-level basketball that the Rockets have been playing and like actually instilling defense and toughness in them. And, you know, I'm with everybody else. I've clowned Dylan Brooks and some of the stuff he's done, but he has brought a real competitive edge to them. And he's been playing out of his mind recently. I don't know how much of it is sustainable. And then Shingun has really proved a lot of people wrong, including myself, in becoming like a really high-level center. And he's no Jokic or Sabonis by any means, but he is a guy who is a matchup problem for a lot of teams, and you can run your offense through him. So the Rockets have surprised me, but I'm with you. Um, as long as the Thunder, I mean, they're in a good position where they don't have to like hope and pray and cross your fingers that one of these teams drops out between the Rockets and the Clippers. If you somehow get the eighth pick and the 13th pick, like you're, you're cooking, you can trade up, you can trade for another player. There are a whole lot of options that Presty will explore. So surprised by the Rockets, but I I wouldn't just like close the book on them just yet. And just uh, facts in that they're going to be a playoff team. 
don't look now, haters, but Jalen Green is shooting 40% from three. Now, I just had to throw that in there for Michael, but uh, we're, we're looking at the next 10 games for OKC. And I know we're still in November. I know it's still early season, but in a West that we both agree is going to be decided by a couple of games, those couple of games can be made up in March or in November. And so you got these couple of games against Golden State where Draymond's not going to play in either of them. Steph's for sure not going to play in one of them. I don't think he'll play in either of them, but he's for sure not going to play in one of them. How important is that to take care of business on the road uh, in a Western Conference game? Very important. I mean, I have a question for you before I get into it. When was the last time the Thunder were favored to go win in Golden State? It's been a it's been a long, long, long time. I have to imagine this is uh, it, it was a jarring thing to see, even with the news of, of everything that's happening around Golden State. Yeah, I, I think these are you don't want to say must wins, but these are games that you would be disappointed if they lost in because the Thunder far and away like notches above will have the best player on the floor. And in the NBA, where there are only five guys who can play on the floor at the same time for one team, that is massive. And I think this is going to be another one of those statement things for um, for Shea. I think Chet is going to get up to play against the Warriors. I think the, the Thunder in general sort of get up to play these guys, even if those you know, Draymond and um, Steph aren't there. You still have the Chris Paul dynamic and all that stuff. So I'm expecting some fun games, uh, but I would be, I'd be shocked if they don't win at least one. And I'd be decently surprised if they didn't go two and zero, assuming Steph doesn't play in either game. I'm going to drag you back here after this next 10 games. Cause I think that these are really interesting and it. And it's going to be really interesting to watch them play before Thanksgiving, because you have these, these games where we don't think Steph will play either game. We know Draymond will not play either game against the Warriors. That's two of the ten. Then you play Portland, who's one of the worst teams in the NBA. Then you play Chicago, who's on the cusp of, of just imploding their entire team and selling off pieces. So like the, that is what you lead into Thanksgiving with, is after a win against the Spurs, then you have those games on deck where, where you have, yes, they're on the road in Golden State twice and then in Portland. Then you come home to play Chicago. You've already dominated this season in the season opener. You have to really hone in on this stretch because after that stretch, it's Philadelphia, it's Minnesota, it's the Lakers, it's the Mavericks, it's the Jazz, and it's the Kings. So you, you had it good right now with the Spurs, with the Spurs, and then a couple of uh, beat up Warriors, and then the, the Blazers and Bulls. But after that, things get pretty tough. So these next ten games are going to be really interesting, and I think that it's going to continue to prove, you know how competitive the West will be because while every team feels like they're riding high right now, after they play another cycle of 10 games, I think that the Sandings will kind of be shuffled a little bit more and then we'll do it again in the next 10 games and do it again all the way through uh, the rest of the season. So it's going to be very important, Michael, to take care of business before Thanksgiving. Absolutely. I mean, those, those early games, like you mentioned, the Warriors, uh, the Blazers, the Bulls, those should be games that you just go into feeling very confident, thinking you're going to get a win. But after that, I think that's going to be a good litmus test of just where this team is because not only are you going to get like a 15 game sample size from the thunder, all these other teams are going to be adjusted and sort of their rotations. They've kind of like found sort of what they want to be around that point in the season. And you'll also get a decent scout on guys like Chet and Kaysen and see what these other teams sort of try to attack and expose on them. So I'm, I'm very excited to see them match up with a lot of these teams. As long as you have Shea, you can kind of, you have a chance against kind of any team because he can be the best player on any given night, but it's going to be really interesting to watch this young thunder team who doesn't have really any postseason experience. Chet hasn't played in a ton of games and just see how they 
attack big time moments like this. That's going to be so true. It's going to be fun. And I think that we're going to be looking at uh, this team under another new lens in 10 games from now. Michael, thanks for joining us. You can find him on Twitter at Michael on sports, of course, on sellout crowd as well. Michael, what are you cooking up recently? Well, I just wrote about the the biggest takeaways from Victor and Chet last night. So that was a lot of fun. I, I filled in for Brett Dawson, who hopefully will get well soon. But I'm appearing on a variety of pods with sellout, with, whether that's a Brett show, Heard Thundering, or uh, the Big Friendly Sports with John Hamm, who many of you might know. But it, it's a lot of fun. Always enjoy coming on and talking with you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. And we did make history today because... No technical glitches. That's why we need to get out of here right now because we finally did a show together with no technical glitches. Michael, thanks for joining us. Uh, until tomorrow, whenever we recap the Warriors game, be good and be good to one another.